Welcome back into the CC Podcast, everybody. It is the morning of Thursday, November 9th. Game day. Glow game day. We're very excited. Mike Rutherford here in Louisville, Kentucky. Dan Siddard actually in Louisville, Kentucky as well. Dan, in town for the big game day. How's it feel? Back since the uh, first time since uh, Notre Dame. <laughs> All I can think about is the scene in old school. It's like, I'm here for the gangbang. Like, I'm literally, it's like, I'm here for the glow game. Um, <laughs> very, uh, very excited about not only seeing our football team in action, but uh i've like hyped this glow game up way too much like i'm like i'm like okay they're gonna come out to the stranger things theme there's gonna be led lights like glow in the dark towels um you know it's gonna be incredible but reality is it's it's actually you know a pretty big football game we got a lot on the line um so i'm very excited to get down there and uh and, and start mingling with the crowd i'm expecting this to be like a spiritual experience at the end of <laughs> The end of 2001 is Space Odyssey, where he like goes yeah. through like the light tunnel and he transforms himself back. He's like he becomes a fetus again and is reborn. Like it, it's people keep asking, yeah, you because know, I've been hyping up the glow game all week too on the the radio show. And we finally got a text that was like, "How do you expect to see stuff glowing when the lights are going to be on?" I was like, "Don't ask these questions. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Shut the fuck up. Like just let us yeah. enjoy the glow game." Oh, oh man, that's so funny. It's been a a hectic week around here. I mean, you've got basketball season starting on Monday. The men and the women get a win. We'll talk about that. Uh, football, of course, reacting to the Virginia Tech game. We haven't had a chance to do that yet. And then we're getting ready for tonight's game. It was the perfect week for my wife to go out of town for a work trip. I mean, <laughs> Mary, quite, well, come on. When we looked at the schedule, when she, because she has to do like this big work trip once a year, last year she went to Orlando. About the same time of the year. And so I guess it was like two or three months ago we found out the dates. And we were looking at it, and I was like, you know, I was like, we literally have three games in five days, including the very first week of basketball season and a Thursday night football game. I'm like, I, you know, for us, for, for me, work-wise, could not be a worse week on the calendar year for this to happen. But um, we're doing okay. We're, we're hanging in there. Uh, I'm the most tired person in the history of the world. But – We've had I was going to say, who's who's wearing you out more here, John or Virginia? Well, it doesn't help. Like, they've both been sick, too, this week. Like, oh, jeez. Like, Virginia got really sick yesterday, which was terrible. Like, she has to go to sleep at, like, 6 o'clock. She was so tired. She was burning up. So, like, that's been that, – that's sleep has been the only really thing that's tough is because Virginia has been wanting to go to sleep before John, and then John is just – John just, like, doesn't fucking sleep anymore. Like, he, he just refuses to do anything that you want him to do. So getting him down has been tough. And then Virginia will cough so much that she'll wake herself up and then she'll get scared that she's in there by herself. But it's, it's so like that's been the, the bedtime process on Tuesday night. I timed it. I mean, it's not hard to time quite little two hours and 45 minutes to get both of them asleep was, was what happened. I, I won't bore you with the details, but it was tough. But we've had some good help. We've got our, our babysitters coming back over tonight so I can, you know, watch the, the the glow game and get ready for Virginia. My in-laws are over here right now watching the kids. So it's been it's been okay, but I'm very ready for for mommy to get home. It's been a it's been a long week. Yeah. So I mean, UMBC you don't realize was 45 that, days our, ago. our wives our wives do a lot. Like Oh yeah. You don't you don't realize how hard it is. like I can't even take my kids to the grocery and I'm like, okay, well, that's the last time I do that. Like uh, you know, uh, shout out to my wife for uh holding down the fort with the kids while while I'm out of town this week but yeah I uh I'm feeling for you as I say like we're talking about all this you've got three and your your wife right now is alone with them as you're <laughs> yeah. here in Louisville for a couple of days so yeah shout out to Kim we love you you're doing great but yeah, you know, yeah we're, we're here we're very ready for mommy to get home it's the glow game it's the it's the glow game what do you want me to say uh, we, we've had a lot going on, a lot to get to. We tried to do a, uh, we we're going to do some podcasts earlier in the week. I don't know what our schedule is going to be like for to, for the the rest of this week. I was hoping ideally we could do it like last week where we did a pod on on Tuesday, Wednesday, and then another one on Friday. I don't know if we're going to be able to. We'll, we'll try to do a reaction pod tomorrow um, to to react to what's going on uh, Thursday night, and then get ready for Chattanooga. It's just it, it's that time of the year. It's overlap season. There's a ton going on. There's a ton to react to. But I think we have to at least start with what happened last Saturday against Virginia Tech because it was a game that we you know, we talked about a lot last week on the, the Friday episode. 
second place in the ACC on the line. I was definitely nervous. I think you were a little bit less nervous than I was. We were reacting to the injuries that were out there, which, by the way, you know, nobody credited the CC podcast. Everyone's given Pete yeah. Tampa the credit on Saturday morning. I was like, we that was wild. This. I was watching that live. He was like, sources say, and I was like, hold up a second. Is Mike the source? Like, I'm pretty sure he announced this on the pod, but whatever. I was like, literally said the exact same thing that we said. Everyone's like, per Pete Thamel. I was like, God damn it, that Thamel. He's scooping us. He's, he's just stealing from us. But uh, the injury situation, I mean, it was the same thing that I'd heard was Jarvis Brownlee definitely out. Jamari Thrash probably not going to play. Jawar and Brian Hudson are in the same boat they've been in for weeks where it's just like they, you know, they're not practicing a ton. Hudson's not practicing at all. And they're going to try to give it a go on game day. And it's a matter of, of how they feel. Um, and then Willie Tyler was the new injury and he was able to give it a go. So we didn't have Brownlee. We didn't have Jamari Thrash. The other three played. We didn't really need Jawar Jordan because Isaac Carendo played the game of his life. Uh, just dominating VT on the ground. He had three touchdowns. Could have easily had four and like 190 on 13 carries if, if one play hadn't been called back. But this was it, – it felt like almost a replay of the week before against Duke. Dan, just straight-up ass-kicking. 34-3, to never really felt in jeopardy. You know, you know, we come out, another great first quarter. The defense sets the tone early. Um, Virginia Tech – only crosses the 50-yard line against us twice, and, and that was both both those times uh, happened in the first half. We don't have to do – I mean, we're even more vanilla in this time than we were against Duke. Jack Plummer only has to throw the ball 12 times. You know, it's it's grounded pound. It's Jawar in the first drive. It's Garendo after that. Maurice Turner gets in there a little bit. Like, it was just big boy football. We're going to put your head in the toilet and hold it there for four quarters and just bully the shit out of you. It felt good to watch. It, it was fun to watch once again. You know what's crazy? Like – even our good teams that we've had, um, it's it's been very rare that we have been like absolutely loaded on the offensive and defensive line as far as like high level play. Like I feel like it's been like one or the other. Um, like that Sugar Bowl team, like our offensive line was it wasn't bad. It was good, but like, you know, our I think like our defensive line got a lot of the pub then. Um, but man, like to see Garendo just gash and like credit to him. I'm not saying, you know, he, he did a lot of the work, but our offensive line is just a plus right now. Our defensive line. I, what I like is like the last couple of weeks, like the first play is just an absolute tone setter. I mean, we absolutely yeah. Stephen Heron and I forget who else just like absolutely knocked the shit out of the quarterback and it set the tone for the entire game. You know, I, mean, I joke about it. These coin flips have been phenomenal. Like, I'm, like, praying that we get to go on defense tonight first um, to kind of just keep that rhythm that we're in. So, it's been real nice. Um, yeah, Virginia Tech, I guess the reason I, was, I wasn't I was as nervous, uh, it wasn't really about us. I just – I wasn't a huge Virginia Tech believer yet. I just thought what they did against those other three teams, you know – I'm, I didn't really believe in the three teams that they beat. So um, I think I actually think their coach will get it going and they'll be fine in the long run. But with that being said, we're right where we want to be. We have everything in front of us. Um, so tonight, you know, I expect 110 percent effort. Well, you can't do that. 100 percent is the most. Damn can't it. Do 110. Can't do 110. <laughs> to quote Glenn Rutherford, that was one of the things that drove my dad crazy. He's like, you can't give more than 100 percent. Now, Come on, Glenn. It's I'm a quickly becoming, I'm quickly becoming my dad. Uh, but but I think you're totally right. And Brom talked about setting the tone during his post-game press conference. I think somebody wrote about it this week. I, w- I want to say it was uh, you know, maybe maybe C.L. Brown, maybe Alexis Cuban at the Courier-Journal talking about how we've won eight of nine coin tosses. Jeff loves deferring. He, he loves letting the defense get out there and set the tone. And I thought the most interesting thing about the post-game press conference for me was – Somebody asked him, you know, you've been so dominant since that slip up against Pitt. What's been the difference? Like, have the players responded to certain things or just just what happened? And he was like, we're coaching better. Yeah. He, he, he basically said, you know, it took a while to realize exactly what we have and, and to, to cater our style to our roster. And he's like, I'll be the first to admit, I did not coach well in the Pitt game. I, I, we tried to force some things. We tried to throw when we didn't need to throw. And now – were both offensively and defensively keeping it simple. I mean, he, everyone knows what we're doing on offense. We're, we're running the ball. We're not letting Jack, not forcing Jack Plummer 
to do more than he's comfortable doing, not taking a ton of shots downfield. But he was like, defensively, we're basically just playing our base package. We're not bringing a ton of blitzes. We're rushing four, and our guys are just getting home. We haven't had to do anything crazy in recent weeks. We can. We're, you know, we're planning for it if we have a close game. But we've basically been successful just doing the simple things really, really well, and we've had to adjust to that as a coaching staff. I think that's that was cool to hear. I love that Brom is a guy that, you know, he's not going to try to fit a, a square peg into a round hole. He's willing to adapt. I mean, he, he comes here with this reputation of being a guy that's going to throw, 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 and try to win games 50 to 45 every single week. He inherits, you know, so, you know, he brings in obviously a lot of transfer pieces, but he also inherits a base that's pretty good defensively and a, a couple of really good running backs. And once it becomes apparent what his strengths are through the first month of the season, he's like, okay, we're, we're, let's win with defense and running the ball. Like, I'm not going to be so stubborn that I'm going to try and force my system and, and make it work here. Like, if those are our strengths, let's play to our strengths. I, I think it's a, that's a really good sign, not just for the rest of the season, but for our future under Jeff Brown. The best coaches are kind of chameleons like that. I, you know what? You're exactly right. And the thing is, like, I know – I mean, you know that Jeff loves to win more than anything. But, my God, like, when they, like, run, like, three straight runs and gash for, like, you know, 12, 10, 15 and get right to midfield, and you know, like, every other year in his, like, professional coaching life that's, like, a play-action shot downfield – like it's probably just eating him alive. He's like, Jesus, we could go over the top right here. But yeah, credit to him. I mean, he's sticking with the run. He's sticking, you know, with what's working. Um, yeah, I, it is. It's it's refreshing, you know, that he's able to kind of admit, like, because I mean, I think as a fan base, like we saw it. Like, gosh, you know, that pit game, we were forcing stuff. Um, but for him to to come out and, and admit that, and and I think it's just it's it's kind of refreshing to hear. So, um, God, it's so nice. Like just the whole like having our staff like in play, or at least like Jeff. You know, you know he's not going anywhere right now. Um, and to do this in year one, I just feel like there's so much momentum in the program right now. If we can just finish this year out strong, I mean, like we really can take this program from you know, a uh, kind of that, not middle tier, but I'd say we're above the middle tier, but really start putting ourselves up with some of those top names in college football in these next couple of years. Real quickly, before we move on to some bigger picture stuff, the defense, phenomenal again. Oh my God, they're so good. It's, I mean, out of all the surprises this year, just how dominant we've been in the trenches so far this season on the defensive side of the ball, I think is my biggest surprise. And you look at this now, Louisville ranking in the top 10 in a number of, of defensive categories. Ashton Gelati alone ranks sixth in the FBS with three forced fumbles and is seventh in sacks with eight and a half. Louisville number four in the country in red zone defense. They're, they're only allowing – they've only allowed 15 trips to the red zone, which is phenomenal, and they're only allowing a 66.7% conversion rate. They've only allowed five field goals. That's also fourth in the country. They're stopping. They're only allowing a success rate of twenty eight point two percent on third downs. That's sixth best in the country. Their complete completion percentage is fifty three point five percent. That's sixth best in the country. First downs allowed. They're seventh in the country. Overall rush defense. They're eighth in the country. Plays allowed. They're ninth in the country. And yards per rush allowed. They're tenth in the country. That is, I mean, that's nine categories where the Louisville defense ranks in the top ten. It's remarkable how good they are. Uh, they also they have they, on on they've given, they've had 66 offensive possessions their opponents have they've only allowed 21 of those to cross the 50 yard line that's nuts that, that, that's absolutely apeshit and if Louisville Louisville right now holding opponents to 282.2 yards per game if that stands for the remaining three games it'll be just the third time since 1990 that U of kept opponents below 300 yards total per game. And that's saying something considering, you know, a lot of those years in the 90s and 2000s, we're playing in Conference USA. We're playing not great schedules when we're an independent. You know, some of those years, the Big East wasn't all that good. You know, we're playing, say what you will about our schedule. We're playing a schedule that includes, I think, already five teams that have, uh, that are bowl eligible. So it's, you know, it's not like we're just playing a whole bunch of nobodies. This defense has been the real deal. They'll have two more big tests coming up against Miami and Kentucky, I think. And, and then, you know, 
potentially a conference championship game, potentially a bowl game. But as of right now, they have a legitimate case as being the best defense in the history of Louisville football, which is incredible. And the best part is they it's those stats are incredible, but they look the part. Like yeah. when they line up, I mean, we look so much faster on that side of the ball than I can ever remember as being like up front on the edge, our linebackers, you know, our safeties have really, you know, since the beginning of the year stepped up. Uh, it's just a very well-rounded group that, you know, honestly doesn't really make a whole lot of mistakes. Like I, the, I like think back, like I think Brownlee has gotten, gotten, you know, thrown over the top a couple times on, I know the Georgia tech game and the pit game, we got gashed for some runs, but like, other than that, like, it's just been absolutely solid. So, um, you know, Mark Ivy, uh, Ron English, they, they deserve, you know, all the credit here and for not only, how the defense looked, but for the individual development of a lot of these guys, because there was not a lot of household names coming into the year. Um, and it's just great that you, you know, it's so good to have a team with a good defense. Like we remember it from the Charlie strong years. There's just a certain confidence you have like, all right, like offense is stalling out, like, but let's pin them back for field position and see if we can make a play here and kind of swing momentum of the game. Um, I, I love having a team with a good defense. It's just a different feel for me. It is. And I know that I think a lot of people used to look at Alabama and, and their style, you know, before they started getting more offensive in recent years. You know, Mark Ennis coined the term joyless murder ball. And people were like, how could you enjoy watching that? You know, winning games 24 to, to three every week. And, and now that we're kind of doing it, I'm like, this is this is great. Just watching like the, the team just suck the life out of their opponent week after week. Has been fun. I, I could definitely get used to this. This is, this is something that's enjoy- plus the games are fast. It's all great. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the I guess way- here the one here is one. It's not even a worry because we're not doing anything wrong. And Brom brought this up in the press conference. Like we only had three possessions in the first half, so I do feel like by running the ball, you know, getting this clock moving a lot, it, it puts a like not a little like a pretty big amount of pressure on your offense when you get down in that red zone and I think that's why we're seeing Jeff settle for points more like on these field goals because he's like hey we can't have these eight minute drives and come away with no points by you know coming up fourth and short so I think he's had to kind of hit adjust his gunslinger mentality on those fourth downs just say hey long drive we burn the clock we're gonna put it on our defense let's just take three points here and um slash knock on wood we we need uh we need brock to kind of straighten out here but um yeah it's it's like we talked about earlier it's refreshing that jeff's kind of uh adjusted his mentality in that regard it does also make the margin for error when it comes to turnovers that much thinner and and yeah i don't don't think it's a it's certainly not a coincidence that the one game this season where louisville's lost a turnover battle is the one game that they lost on the scoreboard so winning the turnover battle has been key and, and even if you don't win it, just making sure that you don't turn the ball over or give up points to an opposing team that, that aren't really earned, that's been a huge deal. One last point before we move on. It is kind of wild. This defense, you talked about the lack of superstar status. And, you know, Ashton July is getting some some nice national publicity. He's getting some buzz for the NFL draft. But Pro Football Focus doesn't have a Louisville player in their top 200 NFL draft defensive prospects right now. So – you look at last season, which the defense was great for the last, what, seven, eight games of last year. You lose Yusir Abdullah. You lose Yaya Diaby. You lose Keetra Clark. All three of those guys get drafted. All three of those guys are, are, are huge, impactful players. And the fact that this defense is doing what they're doing right now after losing the guys who made the biggest impact on last season is, again, it's nothing short of remarkable. And my favorite thing is, yeah, we went out and we got some big-time players in the transfer portal. But the, the reason why the defense has been so stout up front has been the improvement of guys that have been in this program for multiple years. You know, yeah, that's a great Ma- sign. Mason Riger's a beast, and he's a former walk-on. Ramon Poirier, Poirier former walk-on. Um, you know, TJ Quinn is just stepped up after multiple years in this program. Jalen Alderman was previously known only as the guy who returned the interception against UCF. Um, you know, Des Tell, Jermaine Lole getting healthy now, is playing so well. Uh, Jared Dawson up front, like, like – the, the depth that we have defensively has been such a, a pleasant surprise. You know, we're rotating guys in and out, and nobody's even noticing that the defense doesn't miss a beat. 
And I didn't think that was going to be the case. I, I was like going into the year, I'm thinking, you know, Gelati's great. Destel's great. We haven't seen Jermaine Lole. Uh, Stephen Heron can be good off the edge. But if some of these guys get hurt or, or they get tired, like we're going to start getting gashed. And that simply has not been the case. Like, like we've got great depth up front, which is something that I, I did not think was going to be the case coming into the season. It's uh, fun. I mean, yeah. It's so fun. Just the, yeah. And like it, the best part about having a good defensive line is you get the crowd into it. I mean, like the crowd absolutely loves just, you know, when we're absolutely bulldozing quarterbacks. So you get the crowd into it early, and we've seen that the last couple games. So even more of a reason to to get into the stadium and get in your seat early since uh, we've had such good showings on defense, you know, the first possessions the last couple games. Uh, cards jumped two spots this week in the college football playoff rankings to number 11. I said it, I think, two, like last week's podcast or maybe two weeks ago, I wasn't going to start doing the scoreboard watching and the entertaining – playoff scenarios and you're a scoreboard watcher you can't deny it you've always well, been no, no 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 watcher. but I, I said i wasn't going to do it unless we won the next two games the virginia tech game and the virginia game and then i had that bye week where there's nothing else to do like <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to look at it. i'm starting to be like you know it would be kind of funny if kentucky beats alabama and it's this huge thing for them but also it gets us into the playoff or look yeah there's a path out there Dan. our whole life i know i'm sorry but we have been we've been scoreboard watch- like even when louisville's like basketball team you know like has had like a middling road season we're we're checking bubble teams like in february to see you know how they're doing so i'm not gonna sit here and say i don't look at other scores i've been doing it all season i think most fans probably have as well that's just the way everyone's wired all i'm saying is there's a path we can start to explore the path if Louisville beats Virginia tonight. I'll start. I'll start entertaining it. We'll start looking at, you know, the, the Miami game is going to be tough. I still think that the Kentucky game is going to be tough. I still think that, but we can start entertaining the scenarios that are out there. And the, the fact that other like national people are doing the same thing right now, they're like, look at Louisville. Like stranger things have happened. It just it, it gets me rock hard twenty four hours a day. It's just a, just full erection constantly it's it's the it's just the best this is this has been the best i'm having so much fun this is already because somebody asked like uh, on, on the radio show this week what are your three favorite uofl football seasons not best seasons not best teams but just personally the, the three seasons where you've had the most fun and i was thinking off the top of my head i was like oh six was great because you're for the first time in my lifetime you're realistically talking about chasing a national title 2016 was incredible for the first 10 weeks with lamar and then us being in the top five and, and flirting with the playoff and definitely doing scoreboard watching then. And then like after that, I would honestly say this year, like because it's been having Jeff back, having this period before where it's been not great. And then this, this resurgence and this being back in the national conversation and, and, and winning games close early on and then blowing teams out close and having the Notre Dame game. It's just been, it's just been the best. Like this, this has been about as much fun as I've had following a Louisville football team. No, I'm I'm the same way. I don't want this season to end. I guess the only if I had one drawback, it has nothing to do with the team. It's the fact that there's not a 12 team playoff this year. I know. Um, I know. It 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 just absolutely stabs me in the chest to think about like how awesome that would be if my God, if we got to host one of those playoff games. Um, which like <laughs> this is off topic. Like looking at that, like because I think it's like. Uh, one through four get a bye into like the bowl game and then like five host 12 and six host or something like that. Yeah. I feel like that's a disadvantage for one through four that they don't get a home game. I don't know. I feel like that might get adjusted at some point. I was like, Oh, God, that, like, <laughs> I feel like they're kind of getting the shaft here, but anyways, a little off topic. No, I, I said the same exact thing. I think that when, when teams start seeing the atmosphere for these playoff games, cause think about it. Like, you know, you've had big home games and all these big programs. You've never had like a a bona fide elimination game, like where national right. championship implications are. Like when you see like, the latest on three projection had us playing at Alabama uh, in, in the eight nine game. Can, imagine like Tuscaloosa in a playoff game. If you're Ohio State and you see that and you don't have a game at home, like, like you're going to want a home game. So I, I think exactly. eventually they're going to make the quarterfinals at at host sites as well. Which is gonna piss off the bowl people, but fuck it, you know. It's a, it, at some point, you gotta just do what's best for the member institutions. I think that's going to be a change that you see happen, and the semifinals and the championship will be on neutral fields. I, but that, I think the only, 
yeah, I think the only elimination not they're not even like elimination type games, but like when we used to have to play Southern Miss and it was like winner goes to the Liberty Bowl. Yeah. Um like, you know, and the one that we lost, I forget, it was on like a fake field goal or I, I forget. No, it was the it was the Mills Kills play. The guy was standing on the sidelines and acting yes, like he that, was out of bounds. Yeah. Yep, that was it. I was so um, pissed. So pissed. Yeah. I remember that was like one of the matter UL fans have been walking out of a game, but um yeah. Anyways, moving on. Well, do we want to move on to basketball? <laughs> we can. No, I mean, hey, we're one and zero. We're moving on. First of all, the, the women, no problem with Cincinnati. Cincinnati just hands the keys to your whole athletic program at this point. We we fucking own you. You're pathetic. Uh, cards win by 18 on the road at UC. The men, it was a little bit more exciting. It, it, maybe that's the word. Uh, Louisville wins 94-93 over UMBC. Uh, a game that was against what it's supposed to be, according to the analytics, the second worst team we're going to play this year. And a game which, let's just say objectively, like subjectively, I'm, I'm losing my mind. I, 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 I'm like, we have to find a way to win this game. It would just crush the soul of this program if we lose this one. Objectively, once the dust settles and, and the game kind of ends and I have a chance to digest what just happened, I'm like, was that the funniest fucking 30 seconds of <laughs> basketball that I've ever seen in my entire life? To, to end the game I, I mean we're first of all we're up by four with 49 seconds to go of course we commit a foul and let a guy score to for an and one then we miss a free throw we give up a like easy layup to tie the game so that leaves us 92 92 with 16 seconds to go and dan i mean, I mean your your nine-year-old son anybody who's played basketball past the eight-year-old level knows in that situation you're gonna hold for the last shot right it's Either we win the buzzer or we're going to overtime. We're not going to, to put a scenario out there where we have a chance to lose. Trey White thinks otherwise. Uh, he takes the ball, puts his head down, just drives the length of the floor, makes an unforgivable decision to, to go right at a defender, loses the ball on the way up, uh, commits a, a straight-up assault to get the ball back, is fighting with the, the defender with his hand across his face to get the ball back. Somehow the ball ends up in the air for a perfect alley-oop to J.J. Trainer. The, the reaction inside the KFCM Center is a mixture of like celebration and embarrassment by what just happened and confusion as well. You know, UMBC then, then comes down. They, drive, <laughs> they do what they've been doing all game. They go very quickly. I don't know if you saw this. Like Danny Manning's trying to call timeout. He, he's like timeout, timeout, timeout. Kenny Payne's just doing the thing where he's like waving everybody to go back. <laughs> oh man! I mean, UMBC they end up with two pretty good looks at three that they pass on and, and then go for a drive. They pass the ball to Kadarius Smith, who is approximately seventeen feet out of bounds. Uh, they, they Bert Smith, the official, is looking directly at him, does not call him out of bounds, ends up calling a foul on Sky Clark. Smith makes one out of two free throws, misses the second one. The ball gets loose. UMBC scrambling for it. They can't corral it. The horn blows. We celebrate, I guess. But, I mean, just a, a, a hilarious, ridiculous ending to a basketball game, Dan. No, I, I tweeted out both things. I, I tweeted out that I felt like I was on, on drugs the last 30 seconds. Like, I, I had to, like, gather myself and be like, what What did I just watch here? Like, it was truly unbelievable. And then, yeah, I mean, the Trey White drive, like, I, I said, like, I have – I had the – when he grabbed the rebound and put his head down, like, everyone knew what was coming. Like, I was like, oh, no, <laughs> he's taking this all the way at a just awful angle to the basket right here. Um, the fact that he just, like, pretty much mean mugged a guy – and like through an alley oop in the same breath, what an absolute uh, bizarre play! Um, so here's the deal: the game itself, uh, for me, I'm, I am. I mean, like we all should be. They're one and zero. Like this team will, t- we will take a win, no matter who's it, who, whoever it's against, we will take it. Does it change my outlook for the season or kind of the trajectory of the program? No. Um, so I'm not going to sit here and like, say like, I'm not going to like poo poo on the win or anything like that. Um, they're one and oh, and hopefully they, they keep improving. But I mean, I think anyone that watched the game, uh, there was, uh, 
defensive principles left to be desired. Um, the fact the fact that our man KP said we need to be the best defensive team in the country. I was like, let's start with not being the worst. Okay, <laughs> like we'll, we'll start there and then we'll move our way up. Um, it's like me saying like I want to be the <laughs> tallest man in the world. I'm like, well, I mean, you know, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah, uh, I, I think we have there's room to grow there. Exactly. I, I mean, but and Eric Crawford pointed this out in his column, and I think he's right. Like there was there were some good things on offense. It was nice to see us attack the rim. Um, you know, not settle for three as much as we did last year. So I mean that again, you're looking for anything you can build on, so I guess that's something. Um, but if you can't keep guys out of the paint, if you're just gonna let Greg Graham drive by <laughs> if you're sorry, um, you know. It's going to be a long season uh, if that's the case. So definitely either we need to improve our foot speed, keep guys in front of us, or we need to start mixing up defenses to keep the, you know, opposing team off balance. Because what we saw on Monday, that's definitely not going to get the job done once we increase in, um, you know, our opponent's strengths here. Yeah. So so Jim Ferry, the UMBC coach, he'd been at, he was the head coach at uh, LIU Brooklyn when they had the, I think they played at the fastest pace in the country and went to the NCAA tournament a couple of times. Then he coached at Duquesne. And then most recently was the interim at Penn state after uh, Pat Chambers got fired for doing all that stuff. Like he plays a fun and gun style. They, they want to get up and down. They want to take a bunch of threes. They don't play much defense at all. UMBC is, is only two years before this at UMBC. They ranked in the, like the three hundreds. I think they were like three sixteen and three thirty in adjusted defensive efficiency out of 362 teams. So it's great that we scored 93 points on them. A team like Louisville should score 93 points against them. We scored 60 points in the paint, which is the most we've scored in a game since 2013. But giving up 94 and not really recognizing, or giving up 93, I should say, and not recognizing how they're going to play, not marking guys in transition, falling for ball fakes, not being able to keep guys in front of you, overhelping consistently and leaving good shooters open on the wings was, was certainly discouraging. And UMBC, I know a lot of people are like, yeah, they're picked to finish sixth in the America East, but they've got 11 new players, 11 new transfers. If you look at their transfers, it's not like you know, they're getting 12-point-a-game scores from Arizona State. They've got a guy, the guy who scored 28 against us averaged eight points a game at Chicago State last year, who's maybe the worst program in Division One. They had you know, The other guy was uh, averaged 7.3 points at USC Upstate. They had a transfer from Odessa College, I think was Kadarius Smith. Like, they just – they had a bunch of transfers that put up really small numbers at really, really bad programs. There's no reason for that team to be competitive with you. I, I don't think that they're going to be like, challenging Vermont for the America East title. It's It, it was discouraging the, the fact that this was such a close game. I mean, you talked about your outlook for the season not really changing. My outlook did change a little bit. I think it's a little bit more pessimistic than it was going in. Uh, I, I was just – there were a lot of things that I just did not like. But – they did find a way to win. Um, a, a lot of people are bringing up like, hey, last year's team loses that game. And I'm like, maybe, you know, last year, the, the Bellarmine game and the App State game looked a whole lot like that, where we had to stage furious comebacks. And, and then you know, we, we had a break go against us late. My, my question would be, if we if, if we lose that game in, in a fashion where Trey White gets called for that foul under the basket after losing the ball. Like, like how suicidal is everybody in the fan base right now? Because we would have squandered a four point lead in the last minute. We would have committed an egregious foul. Like let's say Trey Weiss gets called for the foul. They make two free throws. We miss a last second shot. Like that's the worst possible ending to a game you could imagine. And it could have easily happened if that referee just makes a, a pretty simple call. Yeah. I mean, you say like how suicidal would the fans be? I don't know. Like I think the fans are watching this game. Like, not all of them, but, you know, the, people are watching these games so apathetically that I don't think it's like, I think people, you know, would be upset about a loss. But I think everyone, like we, we talked about this, or I think like everyone knows, like, geez, you know, it's hard to say. I, I You never want to like, they're one to know. You don't want to like say like, hey, call for anyone's job or anything like that. But just the direction and what we see on the court, like it, you, know, you have a hard time believing that this is going to work out. So I just don't think our fans are living and dying with every possession. Like obviously we would have um, with, with a team that's even 
remotely competitive, like maybe NIT-ish or NCAA tournament. I think everyone knows, like, after giving up 90-plus points to UMBC, uh, it's it's probably going to be a long year here. I'm happy that they won because I do think yep. that losing losing that way would have just, especially after the Wesleyan game. I mean, you could see they had so little confidence playing in that game. The second that UMBC started playing well, guys started slumping their shoulders and it, it definitely had the feel of like a here we go again type deal. And I think if they lose that game, they're just they're completely broken, to use Kenny Payne's term. And also it was Denny Crum night. You don't want to lose on Denny Crum night. I know that meant a lot to Kenny Payne to go out there and get a win, somebody who meant a great deal to him. So I, I, I was very happy to, to get the win and to be 1-0, but it was not an overly encouraging performance for a number of reasons. Now, after the game, the, the, the Kenny Payne press conference happens. And, you know, it's, he comes out and he's like, we needed this win. I could sit here and talk strategy, but at the end of the day, like we just, our guys needed to fight and get it. And I was like, we, first of all, we'd love for you to talk strategy. We've been asking you for two years to talk a little strategy. And then you know, the, the press conference is going pretty well, but then he gets asked the question about, you know, was there pressure on you guys in this game? Do you think that winning will take a little bit of pressure off? You, you've heard the murmurs out there. And he kind of interrupts the question by saying, like, oh, because of this, this, this fight that didn't happen. I'm like, Kenny, not, not, not time to bring up the fight. And then he's, he starts answering the question, and he's like, you know, you come here expecting to have pressure. It's, it's Louisville. It's Kansas. It's Duke. It's Kentucky. Like, these programs, there's an expectation you have to live up to, even if you're winning. I'm like, good, Kenny. Good, Kenny. There we go. And he's like, you know, I, I, I said it before. Like, I love the criticism. It means the fans care and all this stuff. And I'm like, good. That's, that's good. I like that, Kenny. And then he just goes, I never hear people saying, what have you done to clean up the mess? Nobody's ever asked me that question. We're cleaning it up, and I'm proud of that. And I'm like, God damn it, Kenny. You didn't have to do this. You didn't have to take it here. Why are you going to this place? You know, he just he keeps bringing things. He's, he's like the, the, the friend who can't. Stop bringing up the ex-girlfriend. At some point, you got to move on. You know, the, the Sopranos are over. Find a new show. Uh, he, it's, it, it's obnoxious that this keeps happening. And then Paul Rogers straight up asks him to, to Paul's credit, like five questions later, okay, like what have you done to fix it? What, what have you done to make things better? And he's like, I don't want to get into it. I, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. I'm like, Jesus Christ! Like that was, that was, uh, you know, happy that we won. But like we can't seem to get out of our own way when we talk to the media. Not not to like compare, you know, to football, but it's just night and day how like the understanding that Jeff Brom has with our fan base versus like what Kenny Payne has with our like Jeff's like, hey, I tell our guys all the time we want to play a, a style of football that puts butts in the seats um, and like. You know, our fan base eats that shit up. They're like, yeah. oh, my God, I love this guy. Like, And then you have Kenny, whose program, you know, obviously is could not be kind of at a lower point, you know, almost asking for flowers when he won four games last year and then beats UMBC by, uh, you know, a, a miracle bucket with, ten, you know, 10 seconds left. So, um yeah, I think I think our man Kenny needs like a a, a one hundred and one behind the mic. Um, he's he's had some slip ups here the past couple of weeks. I'm sure. That, look, I'm sure he's frustrated. Like I guarantee this isn't going. I mean, we all know it's not going the way that he probably envisioned it. I'm sure it's a lot harder than probably he thought when he took the job. Well, he's admitted it that it's a lot harder. Um, so you know, I think he's just getting a little defensive at this point and. I don't know. It's it's tough. It's a, it's a tough situation. But like we said, we won the game. We're one and zero. Let's just try to build on some of the nice things. I I like Tyler's game. Um, I think he's a little bit out of control. But uh, like I I like the defensive ball pressure at least. I like that he gets after it. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm looking for positives here. I'm 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 reaching. When I'm listening to Kenny Payne's press conferences, and like he hasn't yet brought up the, you know we inherited a situation that was broken and, and you know, we, we inherited a mess. Like when he hasn't talked about it yet, all I can think of is the scene from swingers when they're playing golf and <laughs> yeah, Mikey like doesn't want to talk about his ex-girlfriend and he, it's, they're on like the fifth hole. He's like, 
have you noticed that I haven't mentioned her once? And like Rob's like, I didn't want to say anything. It's kind of like a pitcher in the middle of a no hitter. Like that's how I feel when I'm like, just don't bring it up, Kenny. Like just focus on like, don't do it. Don't do it. And invariably it comes up and he's like, you have no idea how bad it was. I'm like, it's, it's been a long time now. And I, I did like the people reacting to Crawford's tweet with the quote saying, you know, Kenny Payne eventually is going to clean up the staff, the, the, the mess that last year's staff left for him. I was like, yeah, that's that's pretty funny. That's, that's a good way to put it. It's at some point, like it's got to be, it's on you. This is your program. You've been the coach here since March of 2022. Like, let's uh, l- l- let's move on from whatever the past was. There's no more NCA scandal. There's no investigation. There's no recruiting cloud. You've got your guys here. Let's start start doing some positive things. Uh, that has to take take over at some point. Um, I don't have any like lingering thoughts for the game. I mean, we, who do we we'll, play next? Chattanooga tomorrow, or Friday night. Chattanooga will be. I think they'll be better than UMBC. It's a program that you know, they've been pretty good in recent years. They went to the NCAA tournament two seasons ago. They should have uh, they should have beaten Illinois in the first round. They had a down year last year, but ended up making a run to their conference championship game and lost to Furman, who ended up beating Virginia. They returned a lot of guys from that team. It's a, it's a program with a proud pedigree. Like They'll come in here. They'll be a test for us if, if we're not fully ready for sure. So that'll be tomorrow night. Um Coppin State should not be a test for for anybody. They've lost to Virginia Tech by 45 on opening night, so um, that should be the easiest game of the season. But Chattanooga, if, if we don't come out looking good, looking focused, playing hard, they they it's definitely a team that could beat us, which is a depressing thing to say here on November 9th, but I think a true thing. Yeah, it's sad. Like these are the games that like we didn't even really have to ask who we were playing. We we're just like, let's get better. You know, we'll use this next game for improvement, and then we when we get to Brooklyn for the whatever shootout like we can kind of see where we're at but now like we're we're on a hope and a prayer for Chattanooga here so uh that kind of tells you where we're at yeah before two years ago we hadn't lost a November home game since 1975 we've lost I think six in the the last two years and we damn near lost another one uh last night it's all all eyes on DePaul Dan December 9th truest arena DePaul opened their season with a loss to Fort Wayne at home in front of Literally 921 people, which is just horrifyingly embarrassing. It's all—it's the game of the century. I'm, I'm already calling it. If, One month if we today. lose, yeah, if we lose, I'm blaming it that I'm still hungover from the ACC championship that we just won. So um, there you go. Yeah. That's my excuse. Well, if that, we'll have uh, you know Bears Lions the next day in Chicago. You can make it whole <laughs> weekend. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be. Nice. It's going to be. It's going to be amazing. Uh, we'll take a few questions here on Twitter. We don't have a ton of time, but we'll take a few, and then we'll we'll make our predictions for tonight's game against Virginia. Before we do, reminding you about our friends over at Homefield Apparel who bring you this podcast. Visit homefieldapparel.com to check out their latest group of college gear, including the brand-new Louisville Bomber jacket, which dropped last weekend. It's gorgeous. Supply is limited. Check it out while you can. Follow Homefield Apparel on their social media channels as well, at Homefield Apparel without an E, and Homefield Apparel on Instagram. While you're there, Check it out. Use our promo code CHRONICLE15. That'll save you 15% off your first purchase from Homefield Apparel. We love our friends over there at Homefield Apparel. Homefieldapparel.com. All right, questions from Twitter. We'll take a few, and then we'll talk Virginia. Uh, Connor says, I would love to hear Dan explain how insane Catholic middle school mixers were and why they should have been illegal. <laughs> oh, my God. What a great question. Yeah, I mean – this is such like the the biggest like whitest Catholic school kid answer ever. But like, I'll never forget like because you went to Holy Trinity. Like I went St. Patrick's, and like we were kind of a newer school, and we didn't have mixers, so we like always played road games. We'd always have to go to mixers, and I'll never forget. I didn't go to Holy Trinity's mixer, but everyone came back, and they're like, "Dude, you could freak dance as much as you want at Holy Trinity. <laughs> Nobody said a thing." We're like, "No way!" Like, "Yep, you." Everyone was freaking all night. <laughs> it's true it's very true i mean mixers in the late 90s it, it was just kind of like 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 grinding against girls that's literally like freak dancing for for people that aren't white seventh grade catholic school boys is like i'm like describing it here it's like when you get behind a girl and you literally grind like like I don't know. It was oh, wildly man. inappropriate that we were that this was happening with like thirteen and fourteen year olds. But it was like it was all that and then like organized fights outside. Like that that's yes, all mixed, that's all mixers were when I was growing up. Where like the people do dudes who hated each other for whatever reason, you'd be like, Oh shit, they're gonna fight. 
like that was what made a good mixer was you got to grind and you got to go watch a fight that was that was it <laughs> should they have been illegal absolutely there's no, there's no question about it oh my god you got to grind and fight that's so fucking hilarious uh, Josh Phelps, Mel High's finest, fastest guy alive, uh, said, after apparently practicing freaky under-the-basket alley-oops, does the team now pivot to teach basic fundamentals such as stopping the ball on defense and help side defense? So it, 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 that was the big hubbub yesterday was Kenny Payne said after the game on Monday that they actually practiced the play that they, that they scored the game-winning basket on. And my reaction, like everybody else's, was, you know, Get the fuck out of my face. There's, there's no way that you practice a mad scramble alley-oop play like that. And then they, you know, Corey, the, the video guy, like pulled some footage of, of them. What they do is they they practice on missed shots, tipping the ball to a, to a teammate for an alley-oop. So it's not exactly apples to apples. It's a little bit different than, than Payne being like, yeah, we actually practice a, a non-called foul and then a fight for a ball <laughs> a that leads to an alley-oop. under the basket. So like oh – so yeah, they had the clip yesterday, which they did. They they kind of called out Drew Diener. They used his comments from his show where he's like, "There's no way they practice that. Nobody else practices that." People were like, "Yeah." People were like, "Oh, Drew, egg all over his face, all this stuff." I was like, "They literally could have pulled this from my show." I said the exact same thing, and uh, mm-hmm. and Corey texted me and was like, "We really do practice it." I'm gonna, he's like, "I'll get some videos." I was I was just very happy that they didn't use any audio from my show because I think I was even meaner about it. Uh, I was like, I was like, "There's no way." It is a good point where I'm like, it's cool that we're practicing this really niche, like crazy situational stuff. But can we practice, you know, how to defend a high ball screen consistently and, you know, help defense and all this stuff a little bit more? I, I don't know. Very yeah, I don't really... You're doing the show from the car today, by the way. I know. I'm sorry. I'm like, well, this is probably Dan the dumps. I turned the car off because, like, I don't want, like, a call to come through or anything. But I'm like sweating profusely right now. Like it is so hot. And when I open the door, get some fresh air, it starts beeping. Like I mean, I wish you'd see how drenched I am right now. But anyways, um, it's it's hot. Anyways, yeah. I mean, as far as uh, our buddy Josh, his question is a, a very valid one. Um, I, I mean, I'm sure they work on that stuff. But listen, the the entire point of this is like whatever message or you know point of details that we're teaching like especially on the defensive side of the ball in the first year and change here have obviously not gotten across to the kids so um may have to switch up the message may have to switch up the tone um because whatever whatever we're teaching on that side of the ball is obviously not working hey if you want to practice goofy alley oops, go ahead. Be my guest. I'm more. I'm in Josh's boat. I would. I would like to be able to help. Uh, you know, off the ball and keep guys in front of us. So I'm. Uh, I'm definitely more worried about that. I would have given a million dollars if, in the next breath, he would have been like, "We actually practice guys standing out of bounds and not getting called, and then making sure that we foul and not give up an easy layup." Like I would be like. Just go all in at this point, Kenny. Just say, just say we practice it all. The whole last. How about free bad. throws? Let's start with free throws. We can start there. I mean, everybody besides basic. Mike James. Yeah, I know, dude. Mike, credit to Mike. Mike played well. I need to he's give a him beast. a shout out. And he, he he plays his ass off. He always does. He's yeah. He's what we want Louisville basketball to be like for sure. Uh, a lot of people just t- tweeted in the same thing, which is, is this about Kenny Payne? This is my new thing. Is that I will like once a night. See if I see like a vague tweet out there that could be about anything from a Louisville fan, I'll just respond. Is this about Kenny Payne after the whole debacle with the the was there a fight? Was there not a fight? It's it's got like a 100% hit rate so far. It's like my favorite new thing. If somebody out there is just tweeting, like, can't believe that actually happened, like, like, like you know, I, I need a new car now. I'm like, hey, is this about Kenny Payne? It just it, it works in all walks of life, so it's all about Kenny Payne. Nice. Uh, State of Louisville says, please ask Dan to explain what a Wahoo is without Googling it. Oh, my God. Just so what Virginia Cavaliers um, does that have something to do with Cavaliers? Uh, I was just going to say fans that yell Wahoo. Uh, So, no, no, that's exactly what it is. Oh, is it? You you, you somehow you stumbled into like somebody can fact check. My understanding is that like they used to always yell wahoo when they were cheering and somehow that evolved into them just calling the team the who's like like what the wahoos so I, I think you're exactly right 
Man. All right. Well, good sign for tonight. Dan's on his game. I just remember that from the the incredibly smug game notes that Virginia has where they talk about how, like, you don't refer to Virginia's campus as a campus. It's the grounds. And, like, you don't refer to they, – they don't have freshmen, sophomores, juniors, seniors. They have first year – they have first year, second year, third year, fourth year because Thomas Jefferson never believed in, like, graduating. It was always – like, you should always be learning. It's the most just just ridiculous, just snotty game notes ever. And they do have the Wahoo stuff in there about how it came to be. So, basically, fuck you, Virginia. Get over yeah. yourselves. Uh, UofL Sports News says, if the football team let each of you pick a theme night, what would you choose? Hmm. Um, geez, I mean, the glow game, the glow game is, I mean, what an absolute home run of a, a theme. I like, I don't think I can come up with, with one better than that off the top of my head. Do you have anything that you're thinking of? Oversized t-shirt night. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. Or, or, um, uh, we could just do Jersey night. Like everyone wear a Jersey. I don't know. That's pretty lame. Um, yeah, oversized I, like, t-shirt night is hilarious. Yeah, I like oversized tea. That's a good one. Or we could do like a Christmas theme, like Christmas sweater. I don't know. Are you trying to win a football game here or not, Dan? Yeah, I know. Well, like, let me ask you. Well, I don't think we could just because we have the flight deck. I was going to say, could we pull off like the Tennessee, like color coordination, like the Bengals did the other night? It would have to be like a game we know we're going to get capacity. But look, um, they've tried this for years. Fans have tried to make this happen. You're look, we're Louisville. We're Louisville fans. Yeah. We don't pay attention to stuff like we can barely do color outs. If you want that to happen, you're gonna have to leave shirts for everybody on their seats. If that's yeah. gonna happen, there's no other way to do it. God, please. Dude, what if we got towels tonight? I've been dreaming about it. Stop talking about the towels. I'm telling you right now, it'll change the entire game. Glow towels. Oh, stop. I can only take so much. Carrito says, when we play Virginia tonight, will it confuse your daughter when she hears you bad-mouthing the actual team on TV? So whenever Virginia is playing or West Virginia is playing on TV, like, she's always like, hey, hey they said my name. Like, she has, she has no concept about what's happening. So I'm, I'm sure she'll get that tonight. But, yeah, I feel weird yeah. when I say beat Virginia for these games. It feels wrong. Yeah, a lot of Virginias in the Rutherford family. Uh, Tom, this is actually a perfectly timed question, says, did Dan promote glow-in-the-dark towels for the fans tonight with UofL Athletics? Hashtag oh my- for Dan. Yeah, I mean, that would be something. Um, what if my names were on the towels? Um, I don't think that's going to happen. But, no, I, like, I don't know what to expect going in here. Like, like I don't know what – there's got to be, like, like seriously, like, are the LED lights a thing? Like, I don't yeah, know apparently. what – Jeez. I mean, this is going to be awesome. I don't even know. I'm, I'm, I'm very anxious. It's like going to Laser Blaze for the first time. Like, the moment <laughs> you walk in, you're like – holy shit like i'm in battle here um so i'm very excited the best thing about laser blaze was going back when you got a little bit older and realizing like when i was a kid i literally thought laser blaze was like <laughs> yes. 500 yards big like i thought it was the biggest place in the world and you go back and it's like this tiny room like i yeah. thought it I, I thought it was like this is like a true like battleground scene like it spans it's like the entire it's like as big as my school it, it wasn't um let's see here Squilliam says, who wins a game of one-on-one basketball between you two, and what's the final score? Game two, 11, ones and twos. Oh, man. I mean, I, I feel like I could compete with you in, like, just shooting, but if it's actual basketball, I mean, you, you'd beat me pretty handily. You're, you're bigger, you're better. It'd be – I mean, I'm, I'd say, like – I mean, plus you play. I haven't played any basketball in a, a long time. Yeah, yeah, I think the last time you played was when you were on my team um, freshman year and uh... – the date and when I put the team on my goddamn back and we no, almost... I mean I played after that. I played I played intramurals too, but like like pickup. I, I would play like in my like mid twenties. I haven't played pickup basketball in like probably ten years. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. I mean, right nephews. now, yeah, right now it would it would. I don't even think we'd finish the game. Um, that, that, that's the other thing. <laughs> <laughs> like I'd be like, okay, I, oh, I'm I'm dying here. Um, I do remember the last time we ever played tennis against each other. Like I, I took the first set and neither one of us could continue. And I was like, yeah. I was like, I guess I win. That's how but we were like 28 too. We're not that old either. We was, that was the beginning of the end. Yeah. We need, we need to like, I don't know, move on to like pickleball somewhere. Where we are. Golf and pickleball. I think that's where I'm at right now. Although my golf game yesterday was yikes. I think I would score. I'm going to say Dan wins like 11 to 11 to three. Uh, 11 to you're you're a facilitator like that's that's i feel like you 
you bring the ball up, you kind of get guys moving. Um, you know, so I don't know if one-on-one would, it's not, especially it's, since I'm taller, that's a little, yeah. little tough task there. All I can do is shoot. I'm, I, that's, that's all I can do. Uh, let's see. Space Cowboy says, so Mike, at halftime of the Georgia Tech game, I had a Guinness to try and change up the mojo. Since then, I've made it a mission to only drink Guinness during Cars games, except for the pit game when I had food poisoning. Can I ever drink another beer besides Guinness again? <laughs> and is that loss on me? Uh, no and yes. You, you have to drink yeah. Guinness. The loss is 100% on you. Yeah. If, after, if we lose again by drinking De- Guinness, like he has to keep the Guinness, but you know, start doing Irish car bombs during the game. Um, just to... Drop some JMO in there and see what happens. Sam said, I need an update from the person that was placing emotional hedge bets against UofL. Did they make another one against Vatek last week? And how much do they have on Virginia tonight? Yeah, that person, he asked, like, do I have to keep doing this? And we were like, yeah. Like, whatever you've been doing to help us win football games, you've got to keep doing. That's Those are the rules. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I'm wearing the exact same outfit that I wore to the last time I was at this game. I've been wearing it at home. U of L black hoodie. Um, so yeah, I mean, nobody, if you're sitting in the same place, if you're eating the same thing, I mean, this is just standard, standard being a fan, you know, keep the same mojo going. Uh, my guy, Louisville 20 says, I haven't said fuck Virginia yet out of sheer respect for your daughter. Thank you. I appreciate that. And your mom and my grandma, my whole yeah. family. They're all, and my wife yeah. is Mary Virginia. They're all, they're yep. all a whole lot of Virginians. Brian Cockroft says, who wins in an arm wrestling contest? You or Jeff Greer? Oh, me, handily. No questions <laughs> asked. Not even, not even, it's not even a competition. Uh, Rich says, what's the over-under on us actually seeing the uniforms glow tonight, or will it be a complete waste of a cool uni? Don't, I hate that question. Like, we're, even if it doesn't glow, we're going to say it glowed, okay? Like, it's the glow game. We're all going to be like, whoa! Um, so we're not, I'm not going to judge it too hard. I'm going to act like it's the coolest thing I've ever seen, even if it isn't. How high are you going to get tonight, Dan? So stop going my dad. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. So the question yeah. still stands. Well, yeah. I mean, oh, Hey, I think everyone saw what happened in Ohio. So, uh, yeah, should be, um, yeah. Thanksgiving should be interesting. Going to eat a dog treat, dog treats for everybody. Uh, let's see. S. Baylor J says, I have a weird feeling that Josh Pastner after dark may be related to our glow game thing theme. Is tonight's game actually Pastner's glorious introduction as the future of U of L athletics? So Josh Pastner is doing a show with the Field of 68 called Josh Pastner after dark, which sounds like the worst porno ever made. Um, I, I wouldn't hate it if he took over the program. We, we established that last week. If he took over this the interim, I think it'd be funny. Give me the comedic a- aspect of it. Let's do it. They, I saw Field of 68 had Chris Mack on the other night, like talking about patino i was like what kind of bizarro world are we living in right now <laughs> like what what is going on like we're just sitting here dying against umbc and mac is analyzing you know patino's first game at st john's jesus glitch in the matrix for sure uh, yeah all right we don't have time if we do another podcast tomorrow we'll get to some of these other questions because you guys had a bunch and we don't have a whole lot of time here uh before we talk a little virginia dan is, is there a dan in the dumps here well yeah so I actually, we were talking about, um, this is a, a throwback because someone, the, the freak dancing question kind of like got me thinking about other like white Catholic boys school shit that we did. Um, so, and, and also this being the glow game, I remember I was like, what if there's going to be like strobe lights? And I was thinking like, so back like as a sophomore in, in high school, so we have a, a friend named Rodney um, and Rod is awesome. <laughs> Just had his third baby. Shout out, Rod. Shout out, Rod. Um, but he used to throw parties at his house, and like they were equivalent to like Project X parties. Like, yes. and this was at like an Owl Creek, you know, neighborhood house. Um, but he just, I don't know, the kids' like whole mantra in high school was was parties. And he was like my best friend growing up. He lived a street down from me, um, and I was pretty like kind of you know. Can I, can I say real quickly? Like he's still your best friend. You're acting like you've like, oh, lost touch. I didn't, yeah. <laughs> no, he's my I didn't best mean, friend growing up. Yeah, no, I mean obviously still my best friend. Um, but like when I was a freshman sophomore, and I had just kind of gotten to know Rod a little before then. Like he was very outgoing. I was a little bit more naive and shy. Um, and he was like, "Hey, like my parents who who are pretty like helicopterish parents at the time." Um, 
you know, they actually left me alone for a weekend. Like they went out of town. And of course, like Rod jumped all over it. And he's like, Hey, like, let's throw a party at your house. And like, you know, I have no balls to be like, absolutely not. Like, I just was like, I guess we can do that. Even though I was like, I had like a job and I was working that Saturday. Um, so Rod's like, don't worry about it. I'll go into your house and like set everything up and like, we'll move stuff around. I'll take pictures of where everything was and then we'll like put it back, whatever. I was like, all right, like, I guess this is fine. Where are you at this, by the way? I can't remember. Did you show up to this? I was not, we had a baseball tournament in like Georgetown, Kentucky. Like, yes. it was like, or like Cumberland's. Okay. I, I remember hearing about it the next morning. <laughs> so like Rod, my, our friend Rod had, had spread the word like throughout all like like friday night you go to like the football games or the i think it was like the summer picnics and he had like told everyone about this and like i I was like pretty like calm friday and then like saturday like i started to get like pretty nervous about it so i get home from work and there's already like 15 people in my in my house that that i like don't know at like six o'clock and i was like well this isn't good and like next thing you know i see like guys walking through the front door smoking like cigars in my house i'm like okay well i don't know if that's gonna work so i'm probably gonna move out next thing you know an hour later there had to be i don't know 60 people in my house nobody could move um meanwhile rod is throwing up in my backyard um so like like here's dumb old me i'm like jesus christ like i'm gonna get like the cops called on me so i'm like absolutely terrified and someone does say like hey the cops are in the neighborhood it was the first like authoritative moment in my life where I was like, everybody get out of the house. Like, um, so <laughs> like, fuck everybody, out. Everybody yeah, fuck out. exactly. One of those. So everybody clears out. Um, and my, my neighbor at the time, uh, like, so luckily, you know, the cops ended up not showing up. I tried to clean up as best as possible, but the next day my neighbor comes over and he's like, and he was like supposed to be keeping an eye on me. And he's like, Hey, I know it went on last night. I'm like, yep. And he's like, no, it's cool. And he like reaches his hand out for like a fist bump. And then I go for like an open hand dap. And then we just kind of like <laughs> mixed hands. It was, it was, I've had a lot of awkward handshakes. This guy was like 45. Like it was one of the worst cringiest things of all time, how we dapped up. Anyways, he ended up telling my parents what happened. And <laughs> I got in a lot of trouble. I mean, a lot. Like my dad was like, I'm taking you right now to go work summer basketball camp so uh i I, yeah i hope we can party tonight at the glow game like other people partied at my house that night you're getting in trouble with your dad in high school is some of the best stories like when we were out that i I don't even we're like somewhere like southern indiana and your dad's like hope you're having fun hope it's fucking worth it like you're like well you're like we better make this a good night because i'm grounded for the next three (laughs) weeks like oh Uh god yeah. All right, we've got uh, it is glow game night. Louisville taking on Virginia, a Virginia team that's just two and seven overall, but still, I mean, a little frisky. They've they've lost four conference games. They got beat pretty badly by Georgia Tech last week, but their other three ACC losses are all by just three points. They beat North Carolina when UNC was nationally ranked in the top fifteen. They should have beaten Miami a couple weeks ago. They've got the best wide receiver in the entire conference. Their quarterback situation is weird. Uh, we don't know if they, the, the full-time starter is going to play tonight or if the freshman, Tony Candela, Deloria, however you say his name, is going to be in place of him. It's a strange setup, a little bit of a 20-and-a-half point favorite. What I do know is this. They can't stop the run. Like, like they, they are woeful against the run. They're 89th in the country in, in total defense. We should be able to run the ball effectively against them. There are some people out there that are like, this is kind of a – it's a little bit of a trap game. It feels a little bit like the – the Pittsburgh game, I'm not really there right now. Like, like I'd be more nervous if um, Tony Musket, the starting quarterback, if he does play. Like, he's been – he's solid. Uh, Calandria is big play prone, but also big mistake prone. I, I'm, I'll take that. Like, I, I think that this defense can capitalize on his mistakes. Regardless, we should be able to run the ball on these guys for four quarters. I don't feel nervous about this game, which kind of makes me nervous about this game, if that makes any sense. So I might be falling into the trap that some of those people you just talked about. I actually think this is going to be a little bit of a struggle and I don't think it has anything to do with the talent on either side of the ball. Like we should, I think win the game handily on paper, but this is like one of those games where, especially on offense, like 
you, you might try to do too much. You grip the ball, you know, a little bit tighter. You might make, try to make a play that you're not used to just because you know what's at stake and what the situation is. Like, kind of reminds me, remember that game in 2016? I mean, we had lost to Clemson, but we were kind of rolling up to that Houston game. I think we played Duke on a Friday night, and it was like a little bit of a struggle. It was like 24 to 14, and we're like, exactly. what the hell was that? Like, we, you know, we had just been rolling teams up to that point. That was actually the game immediately after Clemson. We had a bye week, and then that was the everyone was like, "We're going to kill Duke by fifty and make him pay." And then it was right. It was bad. So I, I could see it being that type of game. I mean, Virginia. It, so they're it, yes, they got blown up by Georgia Tech. The beginning of the season was bad, but they had a middle stretch there where, you know, things weren't. They beat Carolina. Uh, they came up close against Boston College. They came up close against God. Who else was it? I'm blanking on, but um, NC State. Uh, so on paper, we should blow this team out. If you give me a score prediction right now, I'm gonna say 24 to 10. But it's wow. closer than that going into the fourth quarter. Uh, I mean, I, I'm curious to see who plays and who doesn't play. Like, I think this is a, a week where if you can get by without playing Jamari thrash and with playing Jawar, maybe the limited snaps, you do it. I think you've got to feel better about Isaac Garendo after what he did last week. And you should be like, I, I think we're going to come out and, and, and gash him early and often. I think maybe they get a big play to keep things a little bit interesting in the first half. But I, again, I, I was really nervous about Vatek. I was really nervous about Duke and, and we had no real issues in those games. I'm not nervous about this game, which kind of like leads me to believe that maybe it's going to be closer than I think. But I'm saying Louisville wins 38-17, and it doesn't really feel like that close. Like I think we're just we're rolling right now. The defense isn't going to lose focus. I think having that pit experience also helps you in this spot because you know if you if the, if you were going to run the risk of getting a big head and looking ahead and and buying into the conference championship hype and the playoff ranking hypes and all that stuff, all you have to do is remember what happened at the beginning of, of last month and say you know. We weren't fully focused for that pit game. We got our asses handed to us by a not good team. The same thing can happen tonight. I don't think Brom's going to let that happen. I don't think the players are going to let that happen. I think Louisville wins. Uh, I'm saying 38-17. Let's get it done. Glow game. Yeah, Glow game. I know. I'm excited. I'll be down in the alley before the game if you're down there. Um, let's grab a beer. But I am I am very excited to get back in LNN. And I think, uh, I think we're going to have a good turnout. Like I said, we're going to try to do another pod tomorrow. Uh, we got some stuff going on that, that may not allow that to work out. Hopefully it will. If not, I'm sure you'll hear from us early next week, and we'll recap this, talk basketball. A lot going on, Lots to be excited about. Hopefully the fun continues tonight. Let's get it done. Glow game, baby. Go Cards. Beat Virginia. Let's go, baby. Go Cards. <laughs>